I have no heart at all. Can can you imagine these these rooms? I feel very sorry for what what has happened. Really. How long will this go on for here? I don't know. God alone knows. God alone knows. We have something more important than anything else that makes us stay in the country. Well, that something is the life-given message from the Lord. And we are kind of ambassadors of the Lord. We know that many countries that withdrew their ambassadors, which is bad enough. But if heaven withdrew its ambassador from the country, it's a disaster. Our privilege is not that we are able to leave. Our privilege is that we are able to stay for such a time in the country. It's very obvious that the Lord is doing something uh, amazing. Many people are coming to the Lord and uh, many people say, we, we thank God, although we, we lost everything, but we still, uh, we, we want our souls or we want Christ in our lives. And the Lord is working and actually the church have a vision that this is the time for the church. This is the day for the church. There is a lady in Homs area who insisted to stay during this difficult time. She goes from home to home and check on children because she's a Sunday school teacher. And she tries to keep the children busy with Bible verses. She memorizes those Bible verses with them on the phone. And then she goes and visit with them and they would say it by heart to her. She's risking her life literally every day just to check on those families and see what they need, give them some support, uh, buy them meat and bread and stuff like that. She is a true soldier of Christ during this difficult time. Who dares to go to Homs these days? I mean, it's very risky, very, very dangerous, yet, she is doing this on a daily basis. You can be part of this battle in praying on your knees against those powers of darkness and against the bloodshed and the evil that is spreading in our country. And we never lose hope. We know that on the road to Damascus, the Lord Jesus Christ changed a terrorist called Saul into Paul. And we still have this faith because Jesus is the same. He is still the sovereign Lord who can change the hardest hearts and convert the vilest sinners and make them saints. In this world, you'll have many troubles. Through many tribulations, you'll enter the kingdom. It's, it's one package. There is, throughout all of our history, to announce that you love and follow Jesus will always bring a negative reaction by some. 
There's, there's no way that's gonna, we're going to get around that. Today is the International Day of Prayer for the Persecuted Church. And I don't want to make too broad an assumption, but I'll give you what I guess is my, my best guess. And that is that you have, in some ways, suffered as a person who has trusted the good news. You've been harassed. You've lost relationships. You've been made sad. It may have cost you economically, socially. But I... I know nothing about what this video and the video we're going to see at the end before we pray together. I know nothing about what it is to fear that my life is at risk. I'm just being honest. So I'm entering in and I want to enter into this International Day of Prayer for the Persecuted Church. And, and I do think the, the spirit of it isn't just that life is hard for you. But there are those brothers and sisters, and this is just an example in Syria. There, we could have had a video from Eritrea or from Iraq or from Iran or from China or, or North Korea, Indonesia, parts of the Philippines, where people will be killed because they announce that they love Jesus. And so I'm going to do the best I can to give us a way to to enter into that world and to find solidarity and to try to be helpful as we pray. I'll give you a little, a little assignment. Let's, let's pretend for a minute that you're going to go to battle. And I tell you that you can pick one weapon, any weapon you want. You get anything. You're going to go to battle. You can pick any weapon you want. Let your imagination run wild. What will you pick? Anybody want to be brave? A machine gun. I like that. Then you don't even have to be a good aim. Just pull a trigger, spray a little bit. Yeah, that's good. Good, good. What else? So what? Atomic bomb. Yeah, that's... Now we're, we're increasing. Yeah, okay. All right. I can tell I'm not at a Mennonite church. That's good. Okay, this is okay. What else? A tank. Great. Yes. Yes. We, we are apparently people who don't want to be messed with. You know, we don't want to get messy. We just want to do the job. I like this. Good imagination. What else? Hand grenade. Yeah. A phaser. Thank you. Who says we can't go to the future? Who said? I didn't, I didn't give those parameters. I, I, I confess that some of you, this is, this is, I love social dynamics because whoever starts sort of sets the trend for how the community and the audience will participate. If somebody at first, and some of you thought this, and it's a good answer, had said prayer or Jesus, you know, good answers. Then that would have tipped, and then those people who were kind of on that wavelength, they would have felt empowered. But since we started with atomic bombs and phasers and whatnot, we went the oh, it's okay. Here's the, the point. You see, if I said to you that you are 
perhaps if you remember back in high school days, you're fighting a really bad case of acne. All of your weapons would work, but it's a little drastic. <laughs> Last night at the, in the Evergreen Fellowship, of course, and it was, you know, smiling, somebody said, I just need a Bible. Great! So you're going to, you're, you're being embedded into Afghanistan, and we will give you a little Bible, and we will let you go, and you can get those people out with your Bible. You just, I don't know what you're going to do with it, but good for you for being brave. The, the point is, it doesn't make sense that the weapon only matters if you know what you're fighting. Then it can make sense. For acne, you need a cream, I guess, or in for a militant offense, you need other kinds of web. It only makes sense if you know. And here's my guess, is that many of us are well-equipped, but I wonder if we're using the right, quote, weapon for the proper enemy? Or in fact, do we actually know who, quote, the enemy is? I heard this week a quote from a 17th century pastor, and I have to admit, I was a little, I was startled because it sounded so contemporary. It sounded so broad-minded. It sounded so much like what we might hear today, and it doesn't sound like anything I would have thought would have come from the 17th century. He was a Puritan pastor. I think his name was Richard Baxter, and he gave a message on melancholy, a word we're familiar with, but we call it depression. And in that message, he said, if, if your melancholy is rooted in the physical world, then you need rest and nutritious food. How wise is that? If your melancholy is rooted in a psychological effect, then you need lots of love and affirmation. If your melancholy is rooted in a moral failure, then you just need forgiveness. And I thought, that, man, that could have been, some doctor could have put a TED talk together last week and that would have, that would have been great. That could have been almost viral. That's so true. But then he said something that I don't think is going to make it into a TED Talk. He said something that, weirdly enough, is almost embarrassing to talk about in church. He said, if your depression is demonic, then you need truth. I'm sure our brothers and sisters are, are wrestling with all kinds, of, all kinds of battles in the places where their lives are at risk for sharing the love of Jesus. Paul in Ephesians gives us these words. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. And put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle 
against flesh and blood, but against the rulers and against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Here's a little summary of what I think he's saying. If you can see them, if you can touch them, if you can hold them, they're not the enemy. I remember like yesterday, my kids were small. I worked for a, a small nonprofit or Christian organization called Youth for Christ, and there was an event happening in San Diego, and, and it was part of our national, or I think it was part of our national convention. I can't remember all the details, and for some reason I had some part to play. I was going to speak or something at it. And, um, and we were so poor at that time, you know, trying to raise money as, uh, on missionary support. And, and so I thought, well, we're going to be in Southern California, and, and I can, I'm going to kind of have my trip paid for, at least the gas. So I thought this would be great to take the kids, and we can show them Southern California. We had good friends we'd gone to college with that we could stay at their house in San Diego. And so I loaded the kids into, back then we had this 1977, I think it was, full-size station wagon. You know, it had its own zip code. This was a big car. And um, so we loaded it up, and, and from our house to where my friend's house where we were going to stay was like 20 hours. And we're down the road a good, I don't know, you know, 15, 20 minutes. In the back seat, you know what's happening in the back seat, my daughter and my son. Mom! He's looking at me! Dad! She touched me! And then, then if you remember, those of you from our era, you remember, though, you have the entire zip code, and we didn't do seatbelts back then, I'm confessing. I don't know, it just wasn't the thing you did then. We made beds in the back. But, but I looked, turned around, and there was a, a line in the vinyl of the seat in the very middle, and they were sitting next to it. And they were going, she's on my side! Now, I was going to speak at this conference, and, and so I felt the Spirit <laughs> reminding me that I, I needed to, to be spiritual. And so we went to San Diego with 20 hours of those children, and we did the conference and had a great time, and we're coming back, and we left San Diego, and we're out of San Diego a good, I don't know, 15, 20 minutes. And it's just repeat. But the conference is over. I don't feel so motivated to be spiritual anymore. But I did pretty good. I, I actually just the afterglow, but 16 hours in, somewhere in the middle of Utah, and I remember it was at night, and I don't remember what happened, I just remember I had an aneurysm, <laughs> because something in my brain malfunctioned, and I turned, as we were going down I-70, <laughs> at about 75 miles an hour, I started trying to hurt them, and I just started swinging like this, <laughs> But the car was too big, and they had pinned themselves into the corners. So I'm swinging, and I'm just yelling at them, It's dangerous for you to keep bugging me, the driver! And I just, I don't remember what I yelled, but I was effectively reducing them to emotional pygmies, just these little... And, and after five minutes of this, and I don't know how the car continued, but it was straight, it was 
And I remember turning around and I looked at my wife, there. Because, <laughs> because everyone knows it's actually co-pilot's responsibility to take care of passengers. And she wasn't getting the job done. And so I, I felt so good that I had shown her and shown them. I remember, I remember thinking, good dads are in charge. Good dads have children who will obey when they say, be quiet. I, I remember thinking, I don't think Dobson Dobson would approve of this. <laughs> and so I had to do something. I had to be in control. And I felt good. True story, th that week I was reading in a letter just before this one about the demonstration of what it means to be filled with God's Spirit. But before that list that's very famous, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, self-control, there's a list of those who have been influenced by the enemy. It, it, it says murder. Eh, close, but I, didn't, I couldn't quite reach them. Um, and there's this little phrase that says, those who are given to fits of rage. And man, it was just like a, I don't know, like I remember like the, the bricks of heaven or something falling on me. I had been lied to. I remember as clear as yesterday, I had been lied, and the lie was, a good dad is always in control. Therefore, whatever you do to gain control is okay. Here's what I suppose is our conversation today. I believe we have a very real enemy who isn't talked about very often. It, it's not comfortable to be in, in intelligent and polite society and confess that you believe in a devil, in demons. And our enemy, I believe, has only one weapon. I could be wrong, but I've, I've tried to rack my brain, and I think all variations of the enemy come to his only tactic, and that is this. He can lie to you. He will whisper lies to you. His lies come in a couple of forms. One, his lie will look like a temptation. For example, the enemy will, as somebody has said, he will show you the bait but not the hook. Half a lie, half a truth is a full lie. He'll show you the bait, but he won't show you the hook. In other words, he'll tell you this. It'll make you happy. He's half right about that. Your temptation will make you happy for a moment. But see, he'll also tell you there will be no consequence to that decision. He, he will lie by telling you that your sin is actually a virtue. You're not greedy. You're just thrifty. You're, 
you're being self-actualized. You're coming alive with your truth. He will want you to compartmentalize. Mafia hitmen love their moms. Therefore, they must be good people because they love their mom. And he can accuse. He can tempt and he can accuse. He'll whisper if God really loved you. He'll whisper that you'll always be alone. He'll whisper you're never going to be what you long to be. He'll whisper you are known primarily by your failures. All he can do is lie. When I was thinking about the International Day of Prayer for the Persecuted Church, I thought about Jesus giving what I, one way I hear the beginning of his sermon on the mount is sort of a, an outline of the scriptures. The compilation in, in broad strokes of how we read truth. It's, it's so familiar that it's hard for it to register for us. He says, blessed, for example, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And, and I don't register with some of those words. So let me give you some help. One is, the word blessed is like the word love. It's a, it's a, it's a very big basket. It can mean lots of things to different people, and it's all good. If I say to you, what does blessed mean, and we all shout it out something, you're all right. It's hard when you just use the basket term for it to have any meat. So here's one way I sometimes read what we call the Beatitudes, or Jesus' big outline, his proclamation of truth. Is I, I think one way to think of it is life is better. So I translate the word sometimes blessed as, as God declaring life is good for those. Life is better. Life is better for the poor in spirit. Now, the enemy, that just can't be true. Is that your experience? Is that your instinct? Is it your instinct? Is it your confirmation? Is it Jesus is, is, is truth? My experience is blessed are those who are powerful, for they can have what they want. Blessed are those who avoid pain for they don't need to be comforted. Life is better for those who are full of themselves. They don't need to be satisfied. Life is better for those who choose justice over mercy. Life is better for those who make their own way pure. 
You get the idea. In one sense, if you read the Beatitudes, they sound crazy. It makes no sense. And especially when I get to this last one. Life is better for those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. It's the only one that Jesus annotates, repeats, expands on. Life is better when others revile you, persecute you, and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on mine account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who are before you. There's lots of reasons why we gather together as like this. One of the reasons we do this is because, you see, when I'm alone and I'm reading Beatitudes, I feel a little crazy. But when I'm with you, I see, oh, at least there's other crazy people. (laughs) There's other people who are willing to believe what seems unbelievable. Sometimes on my own, I don't have a good answer. Sometimes I can't answer like when the devil whispers, how do you know that to be true? But when I hear your stories of how it's true, when you remind me that he's truth, it helps me. I am... I believe that the, the, only, the only defense against the enemy is what is true. And Jesus is truth. I believe God's word is truth. And I believe being in a gathering of people who believe that he is truth and his word is truth, being with you is true. So as I try to enter into today praying for my brothers and sisters who are clinging to that life is better for those who are persecuted, who have the real possibility that they will be physically harmed or killed. I don't have that experience but I do know what it's like to be lied to. And so I'm going to reverse a little bit of Jesus when when he in the same sermon says if you're you're stuck knowing what to do, if you believe like you can't can't do good because you don't know how, ask yourself this question. What would you want somebody to do for you in this situation? Do unto others as you would have them do to you. If I were in that situation, what kinds of things might I be experiencing? What lies might I be experiencing? And here's what I think are a few. You might have your own. 
Yours would be good too. These are the ones I thought of. If I were in a situation where my life was at risk because I believed the good news of Jesus, I think the enemy, as he does so often with me, would be shouting, You are all alone. Here in a few minutes, we're going to pray together, and we're going to pray for our brothers and sisters who in the midst of their pain are being told that they're all alone. It's not true. It's a lie. I believe that the enemy would be shouting, as he often does, that this is all your fault. You should have, and then you can just fill in the blank, you should have stayed home, you should have not sinned, you should have been quiet, you should have. The enemy lies to me with lots of you should haves. And then the enemy sometimes will say this, he'll say in my ear, these kinds of things don't happen to the ones God really loves. We're going to see one more short video only as a way to enter into a world that isn't necessarily our world, or at least many of us. And then I'm going to lead us in just a little quiet and guided prayer for the persecuted church. Christians are paying a huge price because of their loyalty to Jesus Christ and their love for Him. They may be abandoned by others, but not by God. My Father in this world left me, but my Father in heaven will never leave me. I love my parents so much. I want them to know that I'm praying that the Lord will open their hearts and minds. I would like to send a message to my dad. You say you want to kill me, to shed my blood in public. No matter what decision you make, I forgive you. There are two ways when the government finds out someone is a Christian. There is execution. And number two, when a Christian gives up their religion, they are sent to the countryside to political concentration camps. If they found me praying, or encouraging my friends in Christ, they'll take me and put me in prison. They try to force us to deny our faith and beat us when we refuse. The mob threatened us, saying that India belongs to Hindus. Christians do not belong here. They make slogan, Christians have to move from this village, otherwise we will kill. They warned us that if we rebuilt the churches, they would kill us. They would break our body into pieces, just like they broke our church into pieces. Many have come to me and said that they went to a church and were told not to come. That makes my heart sad. I can't see how we are second-class believers. Just because some inherited their faith from their parents and others searched for God and found Him. Many Christians have abandoned us. They could have helped us, but they didn't. These people are supposed to stand with us and have a part in solving our problems. First, the Christians were pushing us to go to the church and be at the meetings. But after I went to jail, they said, please don't come to the church again to avoid us having problems.
we are asking the Lord to give us more boldness, to give us the strength to bear His name, and to stand strong in the face of terrible persecution. They cannot burn Christ and the church from our hearts. We are in God's hands. I have the Holy Spirit inside me, and He gives me the strength not to be afraid. It was really hard, but praise God, God took every care. No one backslide, no one left Christ. They became very strong believers. My faith was never shaken. I know that in all situations, God is with me. Whenever the persecution comes in your life, do not be discouraged. Just go and ask strength from God, and God will save you. God will guide you in every difficulty. In every difficult situation, keep strong faith in God. I will always be, trust God who gives me another new life. Always God with me everywhere. God has strengthened me. He has made me bold. I cannot stop. I must continue this because I was chosen by God for this world. We want people around the world to pray for us. We want people to speak out on our behalf so that we can have the freedom to practice our faith. If you'd pray with me. Lord, as we begin, I pray you'd bring into our minds an image of a brother or sister or a place that you want us to pray for. Would you pray for that image or for that thought that God gave you for the loneliness and the abandonment that they may be tempted to feel. You can imagine the doubt that the enemy might whisper to them about why this is happening, would you pray for them that they would know truth? And then would you pray this prayer with me in your hearts for them that Paul wrote. I bow my knees before the Father from whom every family in heaven on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory he may grant you, that he may grant our persecuted brothers and sisters, that they would be strengthened with power through his spirit in their inner being so that Christ may dwell in their hearts through faith and that they, being rooted and grounded in love, 
may have the strength to comprehend with all of us what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that they may be filled with all the fullness of God. We pray we enter into the world of our brothers and sisters, our family members who are suffering for you today, Lord. And we pray most of all that they would know how great your love for them is. Amen. Our, um, our privilege that not all our brothers and sisters have is to gather together and to together go through the, the reminder that Jesus is our truth. That what makes no sense out there that his body which was broken for you would make you whole, that his blood that was shed 2,000 years ago makes you his. That he did that for you. This is my body which is broken for you. And this is my blood which has been shed for you. The remembering part is the coming together because the enemy is going to lie to us. He's going to tell you it isn't true. He's going to tell you that if you're going to be right with God, if you're going to have, it's going to be up to you. You're going to have to do the work. But this is truth. The brown is the wine. And the blue will be the juice. And there's a not non-gluten or gluten-free option to my right, to your left. So we invite you to come and taste the truth. Loud voice in heaven saying, Now the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ have come. For the accuser of our brothers has been thrown down, who accuses them day and night before our God. And they have conquered him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony, and they love not their lives even unto death. Hey, if the brothers and sisters in church in the Philippines sent you a treat, so there's some Philippine pastries down in the coffee bar. And so you're invited to enjoy those. And then there's a couple of folks here, if you would like some prayer, that will pray with you.